0: sci-fi for me presents jason hunt timothy harvey this is the h2o podcast
1: welcome everyone to the h2o podcast my name is jason hunt and i am timothy harvey and we do have gremlins in the station mrs boss why don't you go ahead and relaunch over there on youtube and let's see if it maybe sees it now um We may have to be doing this as an upload, so the chat is not available, but we are broadcasting to both Facebook and Odyssey tonight, and I'm not sure exactly why YouTube is not uh, taking her signal. It says it's getting the signal, but then we get a pop-up that says, unable to stream, so... It's the first time I've had a, a, that kind of an issue in
0: a well, you, while. Well, we were talking about this before we started recording. I've been having issues with Dropbox at work. Uh, and generally speaking, I don't have issues with Dropbox. It's a fairly stable program. It's file storage. You download, upload, you download. Yeah. And downloads have just been... I had one of my computers, I just can't download anything from Dropbox right now. It just won't let me do it. I wonder
1: if it's an Internet...
0: Service. Who's who's your service provider? I well, I've got Google Fiber for my. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, we're we're Spectrum over here, so that wouldn't be it. That's well, weird. and my other computer, because I mean, I, literally on my my desk, when when you guys see me broadcasting from home, you're seeing me, um, you're seeing me through the camera on my Mac, mm-hmm. right? So I've got my iMac, which is the big screen right there in front of me, and then over to my right, usually you can see the corner of the screen, yeah. at least um, is is the External monitor for my laptop, and I had no problems downloading stuff. They they're on the same internet. They share the same Google browser. Yeah. And yet, uh, it was fine on the laptop, which is great because uh, I'm editing a, a, an actor's performance, uh, his one man show for the Kansas City Fringe Festival, and um, I've seen enough of it to go. This is going to be a lot of fun to edit. But only if I could download the footage. Right. So, and uh, he's he's getting ready to go on the road because he's traveling to because he performs um, and just have put it on a hard it's drive. It's just and, opened up so that he can actually yeah. get out and start performing again. So he's got a couple of he's got he's going after the work, which is what you got to do. Um, but thankfully, that's taken care of. And but it was just like ah. Well, and I'm not sure exactly why we're running
1: into what we're running into, but. Um, Gremlins. Gremlins.
0: It's a good thing we don't do the show from a plane.
1: That's true. That is... That because is then it
0: would true. be actually little cartoon Gremlins oh and... Eat my stinker.
1: Oh, so... Um, gremlins on a Plane. World War Two. Harry Turtledove does a lot in that setting. Our topic for tonight, alternate histories and multiverses. And we mentioned Harry Turtledove. He's done a lot of that. But I guess we could start with one of the more obvious ones and work our way around with the mirror universe from Star Trek. Sure. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna put out a thought that people might or might not agree with me on. Because we just watched, because I'm Mrs. Boss and I are watching Deep Space Nine. We're doing a watch through. I think sure. it's her first time to actually sit and really just watch the mm-hmm. whole thing. And we just we're in season three, and we had the episode "Through the Looking Glass," right, mm-hmm. which is one where they bring Cisco back to the mirror universe to rescue Jennifer and you know, all that. And it strikes me that Deep Space Nine killed the mirror universe for me because they went there about three times too many
0: so i was pondering this because um and i I know there are folks who don't like discovery at all but i've been watching the show since the beginning and i found that the the first season was extremely rocky the second season got better and i quite enjoyed the third season okay um, but they deal with the Mare universe quite a bit, too much. Yeah. But they did one thing right with the Mare universe, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Jason Isaacs, who of course was also in Awake, which is another alternate universe, universe story. Yep. Um, he plays the. He's the original captain of the Discovery in this in this show, and he's the appears to be portrayed as a character who's been who's been so traumatized by. The, by his war experiences, that he's just—he's—he's he's an unpleasant person, but he's also—he's also dangerous when it comes to you know, following the rules, right? Sure. He's—he's the—he's—he's he's the classic Star Trek renegade captain that James T. Kirk is often viewed as, but he's a damaged person. So he's more—he's more Ron
1: Tracy than Jip Kirk.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, which made his character really, really interesting because it's like here's, you know, here's this person mm. who, and he makes good decisions most of the time. It's when he makes bad decisions you start to get worried. And then it's revealed, spoiler alert, that he's actually the Mary Universe version of the Starfleet captain, Right. who we be- we don't know that his the original our universe's uh, captain is dead, but it's implied. It's implied. And they deliberately leave that open, so you can bring Jacek Isaac back if you want to. But as soon as that was the reveal, the character became less interesting for me because here it's we know the Mary universe characters are horrid individuals, and therefore yeah. instead of this damaged person who you are watching the other characters have to interact with and take orders from, and yet he was doing these, you know, he they. Uh, for all the flaws of Discovery's first season, Jason Isaac's character was interesting. And unfortunately, they kept going because they bring in Emperor Georgiou, who's the, yeah. um, who'd, if in the, in the I guess the emperor before whoever's emperor in Kirk's, or the original, right. Um, and she's an interesting character and always fun to watch. The but it's oversaturation. Is, yeah, the
1: problem with the problem with the later iterations of the Mirror Universe is that this the Kirk that we got in Mirror Mirror mm-hmm. was not exactly savage, but he was uncivilized, and as Spock even pointed out, you know, it's easier for you as civilized men to behave like brutes. That you know, barbarians. I mm-hmm. think is the word to use. Then for barbarians to behave like civilized men, it was very easy to tell. This is not my Jim Kirk. Something is going on. Right. And the the further out you get from that, and yeah. you can say you know Spock, pacifists. And now there's you know the overthrow of the of the Terran Empire and all of that, and we get to what we see in DS Nine. That savagery is gone you have you have the Cardassians and the Klingons that are conniving and they're villains of a sort but it's not the same it's not the same tone in that mirror universe as what we got in the original series right and then by the time you get through however many episodes it's lost it's luster it's, it's kind of like when you, get, when you guys were talking on, on Tardasau's about certain monsters right. that have outlived their effectiveness, their menace. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, it's the Daleks again. Oh, it's the, you know, right. whatever. And, oh, it's Rose again. <laughs> so, but it's it's one of those things where it's like the Borg.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, by the time we got to Voyager, the Borg were old hat.
0: I was like, oh, it's the Borg. I saw somebody online, I can't remember which, uh, it might have been, I think... Uh, Trek culture? Mm. The what culture people? Oh, the yeah, Trek okay. Okay. I think it was them, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not certain. I had a bit where I was working and I just needed some background noise, so it was just like they did all their Doctor Who, their Doctor Who thing and then there was their Star Trek thing, so I just to listened to them back to back. I think it was them, but they talked about how there's a theory that the Borg are farming humanity because there's zero reason why humanity should not have been crushed underneath the Borg's heel at this point. Right. Considering how powerful, how oversized their fleet is, how overpowered they are, we should have been stomped on so hard unless they're farming us for parts. And... That actually makes a certain amount of sense. It does. Now, um, I've always been partial. So, fan, not fan, actor, written, air quotes of the folks who are just listening, mm-hmm. um, The the... Shatner-verse Star Trek novels. Oh, right, right, right. Um, definitely not considered canon, uh, but they were at least interesting, and they had some interesting explanations for who the Borg were tying into the Doomsday Machine and the, the V'ger. Yeah. I mean, all these different things, and there was, you know, they also went into the Mary Universe there. Um, the Star Trek comics went into the Mary Universe in ways that I think were, were interesting, but that was pre-Deep Space Nine. That was... That was my. That was back when I was at DC Comics. That was high school, college years, right? Oh. So this is this is all. But no, it, it. I'm afraid the Mary universe is kind of like getting Darth Vader, Vader's origin story. You don't need to know. Once I, you start pulling at the details, yeah, I would. It starts I would say to so. get a little because because then you have to explain things. And you have to get your head around the fact that for the universe to be the way that it is and still have produced James T. Kirk, Leonard McCoy, Spock, Sulu, Scotty, to have produced these people Mm -hmm. and put them all on the Enterprise, there's so much hand-wavium there that it's great for a single episode because it's like, "Ah aha! But then you start to stare at it, it... do not stare directly. See, Enterprise did it pretty well. They did that
1: one episode, and it tied in the Defiant mm-hmm. and gave us the classic uniforms, and you had that whole bit, and it's 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 just enough, and we didn't go back. Of course, the show got canceled, so who knows how many times it would have
0: gone back. Well, and Discovery did, Discovery did the right thing this last season by... Getting rid of Emperor George. No, she's supposed to be going her Section Thirty-One show if that happens. If
1: it ever happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who
0: knows? Uh, but the f- they came up with like a very clever, and of course, they got David Cronenberg to be the the, the future science yeah uh, special intelligence guy who looks at her and goes, "Okay, so what's happening is you're from another universe and you're a thousand years in the future. Your body's not meant to be doing this." You're already an alien. Your your physiology is already slightly different. Mm. Now you're out of time. So, the reason you're dying is because you're not from here. Basically, an allergic
1: reaction. You're having a
0: well. It's 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 you know it's not something you don't notice if you move parallel. But once you tack on a thousand years of time travel, it's like yeah. You're not meant to do this. So they send the Guardian of Forever, sends her back in time, spoiler alert for the third season, and she's off the show, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> but um, but it, she was a savage. She was a controlled savage. She, I, she did it, but it's Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. I mean, she's an amazing actress.
1: I have to admit that I dabbled in the Mirror Universe myself because after Star Trek V came out, mm-hmm. we knew the anniversary was coming up. It was right, a big yep. You know, whatever. And so a buddy of mine, we were in... Uh, when was this? 80, 86, 80, no, 87, 88, somewhere in there. And we wrote, we came up with a concept... Mm-hmm. And I wrote a script for Star Trek VI, and I mm-hmm. called it "The Mirror Cracked," and wrote a part for Sean Connery, like you do, like you do. And the the premise was you had you had the uh, the, the USS Kingston, where, where our setup. Right. The Kingston encounters the Defiant. Only it's going back and forth out of phase and phase and phase. And on the other side of it is the Mirror Universe. And they also see the Defiant. Mm -hmm. See, I did it before Enterprise did. Thank you very much. And the ISS Enterprise makes it through the Mm Interphase slot and comes out on our side. And there's like, oh, hey, there's this whole new this whole new galaxy to, to explore. Let's go shoot some people, you know, right? And, of course, there's the little, there's combat back and forth. They fire right, sure. on the Kingston, and so the Kingston is damaged. And now we've got to do, you know, the distress call. we got a distress call from the, the Kingston. And they say the Enterprise attacked them. And Kirk's back at Starbase is like, what? <laughs> We're here. <laughs> We're not out there. And they figure it out. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, crap. And so they go. And in the midst of all of this, somebody notices them. And somebody's like, y'all are out of place. This is very interesting. Let's take you and let's take them and put them on Gothos and let's play a game. And so I I pulled Trelane into it as well. Right, 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 sure. And, you know, now we've got, you know, Trelane refereeing war games between the USS Enterprise and the ISS Enterprise. And Kirk's dead on that side, having been killed by Savick. You know, and I I really just got into it. And I had fun, Mm -hmm. because, you know, like you do. But again, this is before Deep Space Nine. This is
0: before the Mirror Universe pretty much got tapped out. I I think the, the problem with something like the Mirror Universe is that it is fun. And for the writers who work on it, whether it's Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, the original series, um, you know, Discovery, or any of the other things, the idea is too much fun not to play with. Yeah. And it comes down to the, just because you can do a thing. <laughs> yep. And, yep. And I think that you can run into... you can run into the fact that once you start explaining too much, the cracks start showing. And I think that when, for original stuff, and of course at the time when the original series comes on, it was an original thing for them. And there's a temptation, obviously, to show the evil version of your character, the darker versions of your character. Or the good version, if you happen to have a villain, where, you know, um, uh, there's a heroic Lex Luthor. I'm on just on thinking Earth three, about yeah. yeah so. Um, so I mean, so there's obviously there's more than one evil Reed Richards in the Marvel multiverse.
1: Well, in Earth three, you have evil Justice League. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Ultraman and Superior Woman and Owlman and that that group. It's it is it is fun, and it is a temptation to to play with those toys, but you've got to you've got to recognize when it's a good time to put them away and do something else. Well,
0: and if you start off with your own uh, your own world, um, and the guys, the, one of the major people behind the TV show Fringe has got a show called Debris on right mm-hmm. now, which mm-hmm. just moved into the alternate universe territory. Um, the premise of the show, if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to. Actually, I quite enjoy Debris. I think it's one of the better science fiction shows on TV right now. And the premises of an alien spacecraft has exploded. Um, most of the pieces are fairly intact. They all act very oddly. They're falling on the Earth, and there are government agencies trying to track them down. Everyone has their own agenda. It's sure. a very entertaining thing. Um, and the most recent episode, there's a piece of debris that enables you to slip into another alternate universe. And in the course of this, this young man loses his sister to another alternate universe, and he keeps hopping into universes trying to find her. And unfortunately, our heroes get caught up in this. Okay. At the end of the episode, one of our characters is in another alternate, is in another universe, keenly aware that this is not where he belongs, um, and complications ensue this is from the, one of the guys who brought us fringe which that's the premise of the show is an alternate universe yeah. there's a, another another world out there that is so like ours but some significant differences the twin towers never fell um there were uh, it's it's a, a closer to a police state it's not quite a police state but it has it's moved further in that direction um and there's You know, that's the driving drama of the show. Right. And and it's triggered by one man um, discovering that you can cross into, finding a hole into another universe. His son dies, and he goes and steals the alternate version of his son from that universe so that he can have his son back. Right. You know, there's, there's things you can do with this kind of story. I mentioned Awake. Um, you know this that was a good show that was such a good show I did you just wish people would have watched it I know Jason Isaacs is just so good and, and at, up until that point you were used to seeing Jason, Jason Isaacs playing bad guys because yeah. he's really he's He's English, so he's got the evil, the evil accent that, that Hollywood loves. Like you do. He's got that, the, that, those features which lend themselves well. He can snarl like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. But he's such a, an, he's very American. He's, you know, and it's such a good show about somebody who, who he, in one universe, um, his wife is dead. Yeah. In the other universe, his son is dead.
1: And every time he lays down to go to sleep, he flips over into the other.
0: Universe. And and he's he's trying to solve cases in both in both universes. They're different, but they feed into each other. There's so many connections between these two things. Yeah. And what is real, you know? And and it's a fascinating show. That yes, unfortunately, only got one season. Um, there was another one, and
1: <sighs> I'm not sure if this counts as. Alternate dimensions or not? There's a oh, and now I can't remember what the name of it was. He's uh, he's a journalist, and he gets sent back in time to his own life and. Right, I know.
0: Um, mm, um, yeah. The guy
1: ended up on on ER for a while, uh, and a journeyman. Thank
0: you. Journeyman. You're right. That is correct. And
1: it was that one of those things where he now he's now he's having to. Solve mysteries or crimes or whatever. He's got to figure things out in order to jump. It's almost like Quantum Leap in a sense, mm-hmm. only it's a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say more sophisticated, but he, it, it's more limited in its scope in terms of how back and forth where he's jumping.
0: Well, I think that, that Quantum Leap, getting, for example, in a modern version of Quantum Leap and i say modern it's not like an ancient show but it's it's been a,
1: old enough yeah it's old
0: enough that it's several decades old <coughs> <coughs> but this again we we talked about this before that the storytelling styles have changed so what is the episodic format of of the 70s and 80s has largely been you know it still exists there's still shows that do that but for the most part you get into like these kind of you know, science fiction or drama or, or horror shows where they're, they tend to be, there's a, a narrative that runs through the season, so consequently it would, it, would, it would look and feel differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, there's, I mean, it, there's quite a few shows that I think tip their hat, if nothing else, to shows like Quantum Leap. The Man in
1: the High Castle.
0: Yeah, Alternate
1: universe,
0: alternate history. Alternate history, of course, Philip K. Dick, uh, both the novella and the TV series. Now, I have not seen the final season. I I have heard that it goes a bit off the rails. And um, not having seen it, I can't say if that's a fair assessment or not. But I've heard that it's like they—it's like they wrote themselves into a corner. Yeah, and I think that unfortunately this is something that you run into. This, this is a danger of alternate universe storytelling, by the way. Um, writing yourself into a particularly cool and interesting corner you can't get out of. And apparent that that's that's my impression of it. So if you if you've seen the show and you you liked the last season or thought the last season was or whatever, um, by all means let, let us know. But I, the first season was if nothing else interesting um, and then the second season was well, really thing, uneven.
1: the other thing <laughs> you run into when you're adapting something like that is you only have so much story in the original in in the short story or the novella yeah where if you're going to do two three four five twelve seasons then where's the rest of it going to come from? It's like what Game of Thrones ran into, where no, you go up to a certain point, we don't have any more books, there's no source material, that book's never going to get finished, by the way. And, and now what do you do? And that's one of the reasons why Season 8 just kind of went off the rails like it did, because now they're having to make it up on their own without a reference point and a lot of people were like what are you doing and that's when they figured out maybe these guys shouldn't be making a Star Wars movie although I don't know that they could do very much worse than what we got there's uh, a
0: I don't I don't go into Twitter very often I have to go for work but there are a few Twitter accounts that I will check in with periodically Mm -hmm. there's one called the Midnight Friends I think that's what it's called but anyway it's, it's somebody writing from the point of view of a write, various clubs of writers getting together, right. and it's usually horror writers. So it's it's Lovecraft and Clive Barker and Poe and Stephen King all hanging out, and having very bizarre and very funny conversations. Because yeah. of course, different writers, um, and you know, guest guest writers come in, like you know, Thomas Ligotti, or you know, um, and occasionally the fantasy writers will will stop by, and so Tolkien will have a few. Um, and George R. R. Martin basically every time he shows up, there's like, "Are we getting a book?" He's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, eventually." Eventually, like, no, you're not. They're very funny. Exactly. If you're if you're a fan of if you're if you're a fan of of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, this is a fun Twitter account to right. follow.
1: Um, speaking of doing Twitter for work, do Twitter for work. <laughs> Um, But there there is a a thing that floated around here not too long ago, and I can't remember where it was. I think I saw it on Facebook, but it might have originated on Reddit, talking about um, Steve Rogers and Bucky Mm -hmm. being science fiction fans. Mm -hmm. And the way they justify it, they said, okay, well, uh, in some stories... Steve Rogers lives in Brooklyn Heights. Mm-hmm. Isaac Asimov's family had a store there, and headcanon: Steve would go in to the Asimovs' general store or whatever, whatever you know, produce shop or grocery store or whatever it is they had, and he'd interact with Isaac Asimov, who worked at the store. Sure. And you see Bucky, his last night before deployment. What does he do? they go to the world's fair and he completely geeks out over the flying car that Stark is doing there's like you see all of these little clues that and, and I think the head, headline was Captain America and the Futurians which basically you know Steve would have been a contemporary of Isaac Asimov right yeah and sure they all hung out together and why not you know, you know, Asimov and, and you know, Forrest Ackerman and whoever else was around at the time and Steve Rogers and James Buchanan Barnes and they were all just kind of you know whatever. it works for it, me it's a headcanon that fits mm-hmm. it fits the style and, uh, and it's just like I, I kind of like that I kind of like that story I, I think I think I'll I'll accept that there you go
0: yeah well and, and Marvel had of course their what if comics yeah, which were almost all alternate takes, alternate universe stories. Which is coming to uh, an animated series. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm moderately concerned. Um, not because I don't think the quality is going to be good, mm. but and Elseworlds and DC also had this problem from uh, in the broad strokes. It's almost always a doomed. Universe, where right. you know the the you know Spider-Man turns evil, Thor is possessed by you know Mephisto, yeah. um, Captain America really you know turns out he was always a Hydra agent. Really, no, really, he was. Um, you know all these different things, and they make for interesting storytelling. But after a while and sometimes it could i mean you even one of the things that i think you would get from time to time and, it, and probably going to be the saving grace of the show is that even if you had this dark story there were enough you know okay i went i went down this dark path but i've recentered myself and i'm i'm going to make up for all my 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 errors and, and be a hero again I, I think the what if series is Going
1: to work only because we're getting the multiverse introduced to in Doctor Strange. Because if you look at if you look at the history of the comics industry for the last 10, 15 years or so, Elseworlds have kind of fallen out of favor. They're not doing them as much. And so you've got this entire generation of comic book readers who have not encountered what if or Elseworlds, and they don't I hate to say this, but they're ignorant of the history of the of the comic.
0: Uninformed.
1: Uninf- well, ignorant, uh, uninformed. Yeah, I mean, not not stupid. Right, right. But they don't have the information. I I ran into. I mentioned this on on live from the bunker today. There was somebody who apparently works at NPR. Mm. Has worked at NPR. I don't know if she's still there or not. And was I. I'm I'm today years old, and I found out that that people in radio used to cut tape with razor blades. How did they ever put anything back if the editor decided what somebody would put back? And I'm sitting there going, "Oh,
0: oh," because I did that. Just I I did I I did film I spliced film in a movie theater yep. that way. Same same thing. But you know what? On one hand, yes, you you sweet sweet small child. Yeah. However. You're so lucky you never had to do that. But see, the thing about it is, though,
1: what gets me, and this, and this goes back to, and I guess you could say, this is kind of an alternate history of sorts. It's the nothing happened before I was born history major. Oh uh,
0: yeah, there's a you lot know? of it. You know, it's like well, that's it's every like, generation. You know, you could do podcasts live. <laughs> Right. Yes, it's called <laughs> radio. It's been around since the 1930s. Well, I think DC is really leaning into the, the idea that they got away, you know, their their course correction from the new 52, one of the things that they are doing right now is they basically say it's all real, it's right. all these universes are real, and we're going to play in all of them. We're gonna play wherever we want to play, and if you can, you can read about this universe in Action Comics, and you can read about this universe in, you know, um, Adventures of the Dark Knight or whatever it is, and you know, you all have characters who are cross universes. There's this council essentially of of heroes from other universes. It's a multiverse council where they're like the universe is a strange and crazy place. Let's talk to each other. And there's heroes and villains on that because they recognize there's, you know, not none of them can save all the universes all the time, so they have to work together. It's an interesting idea. We'll see how it plays out. DC has had some moments when they've had some really great ideas they have not followed through on right they've had some great moments that they have so we'll fingers crossed and they've
1: had some moments where it felt like they were shooting their entire lineup in the head right
0: so fingers crossed this isn't i'm i'm optimistic from what i've seen so far yeah. they're doing some interesting cool things maintaining it we'll have to see have you read any of harry total books I, I haven't. I have. It's been a long time. I was, um, I went through a Harry Turtledove, Eric Flint, some of these parallel, you know, the alternate history, Guns of the South. Um, Turtledove had a science fiction World War II story where during the middle of World War II, aliens invade. And therefore, you know, the, all of the, uh, all of the army, armies of man have to make a choice. Keep fighting each other. By the alien invaders. Which means then you have, you're, you're allied with Hitler. Yeah. <clears throat> you're allied with Stalin in a way where you can't pretend you don't know. Because you know, the, the allies were allied with Russia. They were allied with Stalin. And there was a whole lot of pretending we don't know he's mass murdering his own people. You can't... So all the blinders are gone and you're for. I mean, that's part of the, the dynamic is that, you know, to survive, you have to work with those who you would much rather be shooting right now. Right. Um, and so there was a... I went through... I want to say this was late 80s, early middle 90s. I read a lot of this stuff. I haven't read much since. Um, I'm not sure why I got into that phase and then got out of it, but... Turtle love is a world crafter. He's a his, you know, he's a history buff. He builds this stuff in there, and he looks at these things. And I think for that kind of alternate universe fiction, where you're, it's basically for the want of a nail, right? Yeah. And or or a you look at butterfly
1: effect type
0: of thing. Yeah, or you look at William Gibson. Um, was it Bruce Sterling? I think it was William Gibson and Bruce Sterling for the Difference Engine, mm. where it's um, the uh, the Babbage engine, really one of the earliest computers, which never quite worked the way they were hoping it would. Did Ada Lovelace, uh, who was Lord Byron's daughter, and pretty much the one of the one of the first coders. Yeah. Um, I mean, the folks the. Uh, If you uh, you ever want to ask yourself how important uh, people that you never heard of are, uh, Ava Ava Lovelace is is pretty much responsible for... She she was the brains... Babbage was no slouch, but Ada Lovelace was was the powerhouse behind the Difference Engine. Um, It works in this story. So the world changes. Britain becomes even more of a superpower because... They have have The computing power is here. And... The first AI wakes up in 1991. Hmm. So, I mean, because the world has, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and it's fascinating because it goes to William Gibson, hard science fiction writer. Um, again, somebody who looks at, uh, Bruce Sterling is as well, um, and they look at things with a detail. I think some of the best alternate history stuff, where you get into Turtledove or, or Gibson or. Or you know, honestly Stephen King, the Dark Tower series is altering universe. You're, yep. your multiverse kind of stuff. You you if you worldcraft it well,
1: um, And that's that's a key element mm-hmm. is is making sure that your world building holds up and and the internal logic is sound and it and it makes sense in and of itself to, yep. to itself. Would you consider the Terminator stories? alternate universes I mean it's we're
0: depends we're on your theories of time travel
1: timelines and doing the all problem
0: that. with the Terminator universe is that it's time travel theories don't make sense well there is that so consequently the only way the Terminator universe makes sense is if it's a multiverse and every movie we're watching it's a, a different, different version in which case that actually improves the stories yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> because, because if you try and line them all up... Um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And if you look at them as alternate universe ones, then you can sit there and not necessarily compare the timelines or the stories one-to-one and just try and enjoy the movie.
1: You know. Well, and that, goes, <laughs> that goes back to the concept of the fixed point in time, where if you're doing alternate timelines... And if you have fixed points in time where something, some event happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, in one timeline, maybe it happens this away, and in another timeline, it happens that away, but you still have that
0: event at that moment. And you know, there's, it's interesting because I, was, I, I can't remember, I just read this uh, in the last month or two months ago. And again, my apologies, I can't remember which news site it was. But it was a historian writing about, um, you know, and it was literally talking about a, a what, what if, and it was what if Lincoln hadn't been assassinated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he said, he or she, and, and my apologies, I wish I could remember who it was, because I thought this was a really interesting article. He said, from a historical standpoint, not much would have changed. Because even though his successor was very different, had different views, was not a, you know, was actually antagonistic to Lincoln, in terms of what would have happened with the political climate, with who else was still around, right. that what would have happened would have not been significantly different, which l- we ha- we build up these ideas that these w- and it's the, what, the, the 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 myth of the great man. I think that, I think that's what it's called.
1: Yeah, I think, where, I think I know what
0: you mean. Where you, if you have this one person, this one person matters. Yeah, and mm, it's a lovely thought, but you—it's it's using Hitler as an example. There's always go back in time and kill Hitler. Right. Uh, Germany was waiting for a Hitler at that point. If it hadn't been, you know young Adolf, it would have been someone like him. Maybe it wouldn't have happened that year or that decade, but it would have come along. And I think that, that you end up with, you know, and think about it, it could have been much worse. Himmler was a smarter guy. Mm. And it's that, that, terrifying thoughts, you know. <laughs> if the person in charge was actually bright, I mean, you know, brighter and, and, and more efficient, the, the, the nightmare fuel you could have. Um, but you know well, Kennedy living right yeah. it's like what would what would that how much would it actually change the world and the answer is these things had impact on us as a culture mm-hmm. we saw a president get killed on TV yeah right that changed everything for people but in terms of you know America has a pretty decent track record with what a strange thing to say we have, a, we have not had a whole lot of political assassinations in our history. They've happened, but, they have, but compare right. them to other places in the world, they've right. been greater. Right. Um, you know, and there's, but the impact on us, so they end up being these pivot points that we see in our minds mm-hmm. that this is history. What, what would happen if Kennedy lived? Well, um, he would have gone through the rest of his term and then another person would have been elected?
1: (laughs) Well, and that's that's a fascinating thing because you look at the geopolitical realities at the time when you have these presidents, whether it's Lincoln or Kennedy or Reagan or George Washington or Mm -hmm. any of those things, and with Kennedy... You know With Lincoln, you've got the reconstruction and all of that stuff, you know the fallout of the Civil War. But with Kennedy, you're in the middle of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And he and Khrushchev, you know, butting heads, if Kennedy had survived, if he'd gone on to finish out his term or maybe get elected to a second term, what would U.S Russia relations be like? Because Khrushchev liked to push.
0: Well, and and Kennedy was often—you go in, and and the historians watching or listening can correct me. Kennedy often had to be talked out of some of his bolder Mm -hmm. international moves and and some of his his instincts there. And and again, we come into the we come into the the image we have of certain of these historical figures. It doesn't necessarily. Match the reality. There's a, there's the you know Camelot. There's the vision of of you know.
1: Isn't there a movie that plays out if Kennedy was still alive? I think there. I, is, yeah. Is, is, didn't, I was thinking. <laughs> well, and I was. think
0: that um, I want to say there's one that where Lincoln survives too. Uh, but some of this is manufactured uh, in, intentionally. I mean, you look at FDR. Mm. People did not know he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And this was this was, you know publicity this was how you know it was it was we wanted to make you know um, it's wartime you want to display a position of strength you don't want to show that the you know but but when he encountered Churchill or Stalin or those people, you see the photographs from those meetings and he's in the chair. so with with these other world powers, you know he felt confident enough to sit there and go, yeah have yeah, the chair. What? Mm-hmm. But for but for to back home for the stories for the average person, you know, this this you know it's wartime project yeah. strength. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating just the different things. Uh, you know, what if what if he hadn't died? Uh, as he would, you know, and at the time, you know, we there was no term limits. How long? You know, you get into something like Watchmen, which is an alternate universe where Nixon. Where that, where that, the tournament the thing never happened. Nixon was president four or five times. Yeah. I think Reagan was on his third or fourth term um, for, oh, no, I'm not sure if that's right. Going like, well, H- to the HBO series, who was president? Um, it was Robert Redford. But I think before him, I think Reagan had an, another term. I don't know. He had, he had, he had three terms.
1: Because Nixon was still president at the time of the graphic novel.
0: Right, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and, and, and you get into something like Sliders, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it's nothing but alternate right. universes and alternate versions of, you know, even running into people, you know, alternate versions of yourself mm-hmm. or people that you know. You know, I think, I think, what, they picked up a brother at one point and he was going with them for a while. Um, but it's that...
0: Because Jerry O'Connor left.
1: It's that <laughs> knowing knowing that you're someplace where you don't belong. You know, it's that, it's that we're the other mm-hmm. and now we have to figure out how to get back.
0: There's a whole fantasy sub-genre uh, uh, of the person from our world dropped into an alternate universe or magic works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Dean Foster's Spellsinger books. Um,
1: Unidentified Flying Oddball.
0: <laughs> that too. Um, I mean, there's a lot of it. You could argue that, um, based on a couple of, well, there's there's the three or four the the science of Discworld, where basically the the Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, the wizards at Unseen University have proposed a thought experiment round world. And then, you know, the description of round world sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, so, and they find it fascinating because physics works differently there. Well, sure. And, you know, the, and they don't have, their, their world isn't being carried on the back of four elephants riding on the back of a giant turtle as it flies through space. Um... The, there was i
1: i had a thought cross my head and and now i i'm it's it's gone um 1984 hm that is i would say that's also alternate universe type of thing where
0: speculative future yeah but also and I think that a lot of again we run into I
1: guess now in retrospect in hindsight now it's an alternate universe it, when it well, was written you yeah, sure. in speculative future
0: but. but I think it also it also ends up being you know 1984 being uh, a notoriously uh, misunderstood novel it's always fascinating um, because of course what Orwell was talking about was not 1984 in the future. He was talking about Britain yeah. right now. Yeah. And, and, and looking at what was going on and going, if this goes on, dot, 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 dot. But conceptually,
1: no matter what time period you're looking at, mm-hmm. it still applies in terms of the kind of warning that Orwell was putting out there saying
0: this should not be allowed to happen. Well, and I, th- I think that, that one of the things that Orwell built a lot of his fiction around was, you know, the um, looking at the politics of his time and saying, I have a way to tell you a story about this world that we live in right now. You may not understand that's what I'm doing. Come, come to the farm with me. and introduce you to the animals. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, these inherently um, political novels about now that are either rooted in fantasy or rooted in speculative fiction, yet they're very much about a time and a place. Um, you don't get that in a lot of, of... I mean, you can have some of it there, mm-hmm. but, but I think he was a master at it in a way that very few... I think that's um, one of the... H.G. Wells would do some of that, too.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things when when you hear people complaining nowadays about... Message fiction and the the preachy political fiction, as opposed to tell me an entertaining story. I think if you look at something like Orwell or The Wizard of Oz, if mm-hmm. you if you read some of that, as far as the context, the, the subtext of what uh, of what Baum was doing with that, with mm-hmm. the silver and the gold and you know, all that, you know, he, his his is a political allegory to some some people Um, where you have Tolkien and C.S. Lewis doing the Christian allegories with Narnia and and Lord of the Rings. There is a
0: way to do it and there's Mm. a way to do it badly. I think you also run a fine line too because we also tend to unless we're that audience they're talking to at that time we have a remove. Yeah. So if you don't know, for example, that C.S. Lewis um, you know, was incorporating his faith into a lot of his fiction, pretty much all of his fiction, yeah. um, you may not get what he's saying. You can still enjoy the story, but there's a different layer to it that you might not necessarily get. And I think that it's the same thing for people like Orwell or, or Wells' When he was doing his, uh, uh, because a lot of some of uh, a fair amount of his speculative fiction was social commentary. Sure, but the thing is, is that it's not. If you're an American reading H.G. Wells, you're not getting the social commentary thing because he's talking to an audience A that doesn't exist anymore, and B.
1: In another country, in another country,
0: that you, in the political situation then at the time, social situation was different than the U.S. and we have different reference points, so I think that there's sometimes, and there's no question that, the, that you can get political fiction, political stories in fiction that are not subtle. Sometimes you don't want them to be. That's the point. Sometimes it's better if they are.
1: Yeah, but they still got they still got to entertain.
0: Well, and, and therein lies the question: is, is is are you entertained? Yes, no, maybe. Uh, Watchmen, the b- both the comic and the HBO series, both are inherently political stories. Yes. Everything Alan folks, everything Alan Moore wrote in comics at some point or another has Alan Moore's worldview baked into it. Um. And what the Watchmen HBO series picked up the threads of of the comic series and it went with them and quite frankly I really was impressed with the series how well they handled it it could have been handled very poorly I thought they handled it extremely well other people are going to disagree with me that's fine but you end up with so you're taking something that is already political yeah and then you're doing now As much as I thought Watchmen, the the HBO series, was good, and I enjoyed it, and then I thought it was handled well, performances were great, it was written well, these are all good things. The fact that Alan Moore has a five book fantasy novel deal (laughs) that has nothing to do with comic books, and he's not going to get screwed over by a comic book company, um, is good, because quite frankly, you know the. Yeah. I'm. I'm curious what that's going to look like. So, um, the early press releases I've seen. There's a uh, short story collection mm. coming out, and then a five novel fantasy series. The early buzz from the publishing house. Now, of course, it's from the publishing sure. house. Are like. This is amazing stuff you guys. Well, it's Alan Moore. It's Alan Moore and I think that uh, um you know fingers in crossed. some alternate
1: universe Alan Moore is a chiropractor.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a neatly trimmed beard. He's got, got a, a a, a, he's got a, No, no, he's he's got short hair and it's no, combed over to the right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. And there's an there's an alternate universe where DC gave Alan Moore the rights to Watchmen. Oh, uh, yeah. And we didn't have... There's... Jason, there's an alternate universe where people didn't take the wrong lessons from The <laughs> Killing Joke and Watchmen. <laughs> and The and, Dark Knight Returns. And the 90s comic book grim dark phase <laughs> with shoulder pads and yeah, spiky right. things. Well, you
1: gotta you gotta let Liefeld have something.
0: You have a mini-series where he runs... it has got 12 <laughs> issues over here. and Maybe he learns... There's a universe where he learned how to draw feet. You, you know <laughs> what? I
1: don't know. I don't know. Have we ever had... What do you think this would do? Okay. Because Grant Morrison likes multiverses. He's been yeah, doing uh-huh, stuff yep. with DC. Grant Morrison writing Rob Liefeld doing art. What would that look like? Um, I think... Or if Bendis was writing and Liefeld was doing art, do you imagine how much the, the word balloons and the, and, the, and, the, and the pouches would fight for space on the page? See, now I want that only because it's not right. right. It's just not right. I don't know, which one do you think would be less right? Grant Morrison writing or. Or, or Bendis. It's Bendis? just. Bendis? I, mean, I, I Bendis.
0: think, because, I mean, Bendis at his best is in my opinion when he's doing crime stories. Yeah. I think for all the for all the fact that he can do superheroes, he when he does when he's, he seems to like writing a mystery. And Lifeboat's art just you, does not you, go. You, with. you know?
1: Okay. Now, okay. That gives me a thought. Because if if you take, you know, if you what you're saying, Bendis likes to write the, the mystery, of the crime stuff, right? If you look at scripts for film noir Mm -hmm. with the patter, 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 the real fast dialogue, Mm -hmm. then his word balloons would actually now make sense if you're talking at Warp 6 in a film in the 1940s. So what if Bendis is writing double indemnity style? You know, what if he's doing, you know, the Hudsucker Proxy type of Might be along?
0: giving him a little more credit. He's, I, I,
1: in, in some universe, he's actually doing
0: that. I am, uh, uh, there are times that I, I definitely uh, like Bendis' stuff, and there are times it's just like, okay, maybe not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got an hour. You've got, uh, you've got others that...
0: Well, there's so many when you yeah. think about it. Um
1: in another universe we've got a six hour show.
0: you know, I, well I mentioned, you know, I, oddly enough, in the last few episodes of you know, the the Stephen Donaldson Lord Fowlsbane series, the mm. Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, that's an alternate universe. Yeah. Um, fantasy does it a lot. Fantasy does a lot. And I think that you can have um, there's there's some there's a lot to be said for a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court, right? Um, the idea of the other transplanted to a world where they're You know, it's, they have to adapt, they have to adjust. Um, And you get it in the reverse. You get the the elf who ends up in Manhattan going, Why are all the trees? They keep them in one park. Um, (laughs) But, Land of the Lost. Yeah. Would that be, well. Well, yeah, it's a pocket dimension, isn't it? Isn't it it a little.
1: I guess maybe. It's kind of like Lost World. (sighs) The Lost World would be kind of an alternate (sighs) reality.
0: I actually really, I keep thinking. Wouldn't it be cool for someone to do a almost dead serious? You can have humor, but hard science, science fiction version of Land of the Lost, not not silly. I mean, just go okay. Look, let's do the reverse of what we've seen. Let's take the vaguely silly in retrospect show, or pretty silly because of the budgets, sure. and do a serious, solid version of it. It worked. You know the the serious, solid, darker, more somber, more violent but, version of Battlestar Galactica work. But
1: isn't that Jurassic Park almost?
0: Well, so ju- the, so Jurassic Park th- was it Jurassic Park three or Jurassic World where they were going to have the ha- the dino humanoid dinosaurs? Uh, it was one of the alternate yeah. one, of the, or one of the script variants. We already have those in Land of the Lost. So there, there you go. There you go, Hollywood. Give me a serious. Considered version of Land of the Lost, where these people fall into a parallel universe where there are intelligent dinosaurs and
1: well, and and the pyramids could be the entry point. They don't have to fall down the
0: the waterfall. All kinds of things could you just could just do. Be, Oh, hey, what is this thing buried in this cave? Or you could you know, you could tie it all into the monster verse and make it go in through the hollow earth, and there's a door in the Ooh, hollow earth on Monster Island. You could do all. Kinds if you, you could. You could. <laughs> yeah, you know, Land of the Lost <laughs> and the
1: Lost World all together in once.
0: Dear Hollywood, you can yes. send the check.
1: <laughs> and they encounter Tarzan on the island. Because why not?
0: Well, you know
1: because although those those kind of stories that when you take, you know, you take somebody like Randolph Carter and the Time Traveler, you know, like mm-hmm. what Alan Moore did with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Right, yeah. That's mm-hmm. almost an entire alternate universe type thing too. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest that if you look at reboots as alternate universes of those stories that they are completely hacking to pieces. Then maybe they're a little bit more palatable, but that still doesn't that well, that still doesn't work for the Dukes of Hazzard.
0: Well, it, it, it's one of the things. However you feel about the JJ verse version of Star Trek, it's a place, <laughs> it's from the very beginning. They were like in in the movie. It's like it's an alternate universe, guys. The original universe still See, over here. It's fine. That
1: that complete that one line where Spock says, "Well, I guess we're in an alternate universe." Uh, and I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for them to sit there and go, oh, we're in an altered universe. We need to go fix it. And they never did. And it was so frustrating for me. I was like, you idiots. That's not how it works.
0: It saved themselves from having to, well, in theory, (laughs) in theory, (laughs) the the air quotes arrive, Uh, in theory, it means they don't have to... uh, Constrain themselves with canon for know, good and for ill, but. Yeah,
1: but I mean, it's Starfleet. Starfleet has standards. I mean, we we know what their best practices are. We've seen it, and they well. I guess we're in a ter- uh, in an altered universe now, and go back and fix it because that's what you've done every single time. You figured out, oh hey, this isn't right. We need to go fix it. Because that's the, those kind of stories have been told in Star
0: Trek before. Sure, but they also jumped forward a generation essentially, because it was Kirk's father, and Kirk was born by the time he's in his his late twenties, early thirties. A generation has passed know, since the but, breach happened. But, but, but you've like, got you've got an hour and a half.
1: I know. To but tell it a just story, it doesn't work. It doesn't work.
0: I'm just saying. I I, I, I understand, but. You've, you've been to the movies, Jason. You know, know how this works. I
1: know, I know, I have even made them. I know this mm-hmm. works. All right, so. All right, so <laughs> we can talk about this for a long while. We could.
0: There's so many. If you're a fan of, of, of alternate universes and, and multiverses and parallel, you know. Yeah, tell us
1: what your favorites are. Oh, send yeah. Us, uh, leave us a comment. Uh, send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me dot com. What do we talk about next week? I have an idea.
0: But what, let's, let's, do you have, do you have thoughts? I might, I might. Let me, let me. Let me get okay. Part of this, I had an idea that I'm not sure is 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 a, an hour's worth of content. We can always make an hour's worth of content out. But is of it a good need... hour's <laughs> worth of content? Well, there is. is...
1: In another universe, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and That's going to do it for us. Folks. Somewhere, we're really good at this. I
1: guess, right? <laughs> it's somewhere else, we're getting paid for it. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Hope you enjoyed the hot tub stream because it's probably never, ever going to happen again.
0: Unless you give us that much money.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see. Anyway, all right. That. So uh, tomorrow, Live from the Bunker, we've got a new Tartar sauce this week coming.
0: That's the plan. And
1: uh, on Wednesday, I'm going to have Austin Oswakey on Live from the Bunker. He is the CEO of Comic Distro, which is a new comics distribution outfit mm. uh, in... San Diego, I think. So we're going to talk to him about his new venture. And I'm still waiting to hear back from Danica McKellar's reps. I don't think I'm going to get her on the show. But, you know, If, if wishes were horses. If you don't ask. I know. All right. So we will be back to do this all again next week. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Don't forget, we're on all the socials. You can leave us uh, PayPal and Subscribestar and all that good stuff, and we, we won't squander it, I promise.
0: Good night. Good night, folks. Copyright 2021
1: by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.